Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Uh, this week we're talking more anime, a Tribeca film, and three babysitting nightmares. Boy, I cannot wait to talk to you about these babysitting nightmares, but <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, some of them are actually nightmares. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, start it off, though. I'm curious, you've been on an anime kick, so what did you watch I have recently? been on an anime kick, so like... Steve and I, well, Steve, Steve and I are big anime fans. Steve is watches a lot more anime than I do, um, mm-hmm. but he is like, he watches a lot of Gundam. So I'm watching a lot of. I've been like getting into. I've only watched a couple episodes of like Gundam stuff, but the one that I'm really excited about just came out on Netflix, called Record of Ragnarok. Oh. <laughs> it's about basically every I think like a thousand years. Um, 
the gods meet to decide if humans should stay, like if Earth should stay around or if humans should be extinct. No. Yeah. No. So it's like this <laughs> this time they decide, nah, like there's no redeeming these people. It's like time to go. And the Valkyrie, the Valkyrie are like, no, like we are going to invoke Ragnarok where 13, 12 or 13 gods and 12 or 13 humans fight in tournament to see if humanity gets to live or not. And so it's like Adam versus Zeus, Poseidon versus the oh. swordsman. It's and there's like Jack the Ripper's in it as like one of the what? champions. <laughs> like a champion? Yeah, like one of the human champions. And he's supposed to be a, a, why humanity should be redeemed? I have not gotten there yet. So like we'll see. Okay. I just started it, but it's new on Netflix. And <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, the animation style is so over the top. Like, every outfit is insane. Like, in the stands, it's all of humanity and all of the gods. And there's, like, Michelangelo sitting and, like, painting and, like, making weird comments and, like, Beethoven oh and Mozart. God. It is so weird, but it is so fun. It is just, like, it's basically, like, mythology meets fighting anime. So- <laughs> Sign me up. That is and the it, wildest combination. It's incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> yeah, like fight, like fights between a god and a human last like three or four episodes. Like it, and there's like seriously, oh, yeah, like these like ridiculously long like multi part fights. All of this intrigue between because like so it's like a boss battle in between the fights. There's like intercut with like gods and, and Valkyrie that are and humans that are watching, offering commentary. So you have like two gods. Oh god, the fuck! I think it's Ares and Hermes are like talking about what's going on, and then like Aphrodite, who's a woman with huge boobs, and there's like she has two guys that flank her, and he, they're each holding up a boob because they're so big. Oh my gosh! I. Wow. It's just, it's incredible. It is in fucking incredible. So, uh, that is the big thing that I have been watching. I've been like really busy and wow. tired. So, I've just been watching a lot of stuff that is like kind of ridiculous, but really entertaining. And so, I, I recommend it. It's just, it's the most anime, <laughs> anime to ever anime. <laughs> and it's awesome. So if you're looking for something kind of silly to watch that is still like really cool and looks gorgeous, Record of Ragnarok. I really like the animation, the, the pictures that I'm, I'm looking at, it's, like the, yeah, the art style if, is really kind of unique. If anyone has seen um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, some of the characters kind of look like that. Not all of them. So there's a really interesting mix of animation styles and of like character design, which makes it even cooler because it's like... Every character looks so different, mm. and it's real. It's like a really cool way that they designed it. And also, like when they have like gods like Poseidon or Zeus, they don't look like what you think of when you think of those gods. So it's kind of cool that they have a, also like a different kind of spin on um, what gods look like. So yeah, cool. Yeah, that- awesome. <laughs> what was that called again? It's, yeah, Record of Ragnarok, streaming okay. on Netflix. Cool. But what's this Tribeca film? So I'm not covering Tribeca, but they were like, I, I realized that you could 
rent individual movies for like 15 bucks. So I like, I looked through the okay. list to see what I would want to watch. And I picked out two. Okay. One I was like, eh, I didn't really feel about, but this other one I actually kind of really enjoyed and it's called C for me. What kind of, what and, is C in what context? Like, um, as in eyesight, okay. like being able to see. And it is about a blind former skier named Sophie who is cat sitting in an, ex- in a secluded mansion when three thieves decide to invade for a hidden safe. And her only defense is this app that she downloads called See For Me, which connects her with um, a sighted person and then uses the, the phone's technology to see for the blind person. And so she gets um, connected with this former army veteran named Kelly, and Kelly helps her defend against the invaders and survive. That sounds wild. I have not heard yeah. anything about this movie. And what one thing I really like about it is uh, the one of the actors is named uh, well the person that plays the blind the blind uh, woman Sophie. Uh, their name is Skylar Davenport, and they are um, visually impaired after a stroke in like early two thousands. So they're they have a visually impaired person playing a visually impaired person. Which kudos for representation. Love that. I absolutely love that. And it, like, um, look at that. It's not, I mean, obviously that exists. It's not like you're really trying that hard to find somebody who is both visually impaired and a performer. So. Well, and what I, what I love about this is that, uh, Skylar Davenport, they did a lot of, they've, they've done a lot of, I guess, I think they've done anime and a lot of animated stuff because it's easy to do without, you know, having to worry about sight. So it's probably one of the only jobs they could they were you know getting probably but a lot of they did they they did the voice for in uh one of the characters in the final fantasy 7 remake they've done some video games they did uh welcome to demon school they've done a bunch of a bunch of anime and a bunch of like video games it looks like zerk they were in oh they oh they were in madoka magica cool um that's awesome yeah so it, it was it was decent uh i mean it's 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 very high concept. It's uh, some of it was a little slow. I'll be honest, but okay. um, overall, I thought it was an effective little thriller, and I really, I really kind of enjoyed the conceit behind it. Skyler turns out a fantastic performance, and so did the uh, the person that, that they're connected with, Kelly, played by Jessica Parker Kennedy, and they had really good charisma and, and connectedness, even through the fact that you know they're separated by technology. And I, I really, I really dug it. Um, cool. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good good film when it finally comes out for people to see. I think people will really will really relate to did it. Did you watch False Positive? I did not. Okay. Um, I know that's coming out to Hulu. Yeah, I'm just curious. I know that it, it came out at Tribeca. Yeah. No, the other movie I saw was um, We Need to Do Something. And it had Vanessa Shaw in it, who okay. we saw recently in uh, The Hills Have Eyes. And also, you know, she was in Hocus Pocus. Okay. Okay. <laughs> was not was not for me. But that that's that's all that I watched outside of these three movies. And I don't know if you watched the second one, but I do want to definitely talk about the. Second I did not one. watch second one, but I want to I want to hear about it. <laughs> so let's start with the beginning. What did we? What was the first movie we watched? So we watched <laughs> um, the original When a Stranger Calls from 1979. As well as the remake of When a Stranger Calls from 2006, 
which holy shit are really fucking different. <laughs> oh my right? god. <clears throat> so, okay. wow. What did you think? So, uh, I okay, I had seen this movie, the, the original one, once before. And I'll be honest, I totally didn't remember the middle section. I remember the beginning. And I remember the weird, end. like, crime and procedural in the middle. Might, <laughs> right. Might be because the middle section isn't that good. But I'm curious what your thoughts are as a, as a first-time watch. I was fucking freaked out. Because that guy Wasn't is so terrifying? creepy. It, it was, like, black Christmas vibes. Like, that mm. kind of, like, really violating person. But this was even worse because, like, we followed him a lot. Like, mm. as a character. And... God, he said things like, I want to, like, be covered in your blood and, like... I want your blood all over me. Yeah, I want your blood all over me, which, like, I was just, like, I'm not prepared. I, like, I also took an edible when I watched this movie. Don't do that. Bad idea. Don't do it, guys. (laughs) It was a bad idea. I texted Terry and I was, like, I made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... I don't think I was expecting it to be as disturbing and, like, upsetting Mm. as it was. Whew! I really, I really enjoyed it. The middle, like you said, is kind of drags a little bit because it's all about like this cop, not even cop, a private investigator looking for the murderer who escaped from a hospital. And Mm -hmm. then you also focus on the killer, like roaming around the city. Did you think that we were they were trying to be sympathetic? Like did you see did you feel that there was like sympathy cuz I was like I'm getting weird like sympathy vibes for this guy and I don't like it because he killed two children and also like says really vulgar shit and stalks women. Yeah, I <laughs> thought the the middle section was a little confused as mm-hmm. to what it was wanting to do. Like I I think the the first the first act is a perfect it's a perfect 30 minutes. It is intense as fuck. The c- repeated refrain of like, have you checked the children? And the way he says it so like dispassionately and oh, s- without emotion, this part, like really, even on this watch, like I was getting, I was getting uncomfortable watching this movie. And I forgot I, when I, cause I, I just, like I said, I remember bits and pieces of this and I was like, Oh gosh, did the chill, do the kids actually survive? No, they he fucking kills the they're kids. Like, they're not recognizable. And he did it all with his hands. And I was like, with his hands. Fuck. And then we get to the middle section and you're right. I do feel as if they were almost trying to sympathy for the devil. Yeah. Almost. And I'm like, mm. cause it wasn't, it wasn't, like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer style. It was like, oh, look no. at him. Like, he's sleeping on the streets and he's homeless. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's stalking a he woman to- and hiding in her closet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm hiding in her closet. I was I was like, nah. But something like this movie is incredible. I think there's like so many incredible and weird things about this movie. But I don't know if you noticed this. The parts were like people would walk out of frame and the camera would linger for like a second or two longer, like on mm-hmm. a random plant. And I was like, this guy's fucking with us with this movie. And I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is such a fucking joke, like in a mm-hmm. very purposeful way. And I was like, wait, is this movie really intelligent? <laughs> like it's so I think it smart. Is. It is incredibly smart. Like, and the performances are so bad, but like, it feels like it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's almost like mocking that. It feels like he's mocking like that kind of like cop private investigator narrative about him this like old guy trying to be all cool and like somehow kill and like this guy and save the day 
Right. And I, I think it's interesting that the, uh, the choice of that detective isn't what you would typically see a police yeah. detective be because he's like, he's older, he's overweight, yeah. he's, you know, so like, it's not the typical bastion of manhood that like a lot of detective movies from this time period would, would have. It's He's not Charles Bronson mm-hmm. going after, you know... Death Wish type style stuff. Yeah. It's 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 a man. Yes. So I, I I do think that it is teasing with us a little bit. But I'll tell you what, that third act also just like, out of nowhere, ranches up that tension again. And when she is in bed, and she's <laughs> trying to talk to her husband, <laughs> I <ain't> her husband. <laughs> it Fuck just like, you, movie. it just like this movie. I was like, this feels like all of the urban legends you hear about babysitting. But they all started mm. with this movie, it feels like. Because from 79, like, you hear about... I feel like you always hear the urban legend, obviously, about, like, the guy in the bed who's not your husband. Mm-hmm. But you also hear... I feel like I've heard variations, like, the creepy guy in the house, like, in the kids' room yeah. ended up killing the kids, and the babysitter didn't check on the kids. Like, it felt like all of those urban legends, but it feels like maybe it was one of those like big origin points for that kind of thing. Cause it was so early, like yeah. relatively early ish 79. Well, cause I, I know that the, that urban legend dates back to the sixties okay. and there's like, and I, I do think that, uh, I like when I was looking into into this, it, they a lot of people think associate it with. I guess there was a in the 1950s, there was a murder of a teenage babysitter, Janet Christman, and they're con that is commonly cited as the source of the legend, but uh, I, I do think okay. that there's like a lot of different variations on this, but yeah, this, this movie definitely encapsulates that. And I, I'll be honest. I do think that, um, screams opening scene is yeah. riffing <gasps> on this It is because there's like a lot of little cues there. Yes. I, I do think, I do think that that, that oh. scream is, is, is a direct reference to this film. That's cool as fuck. And Carol Kane. Like, the way that she has, like, kind of has, like, really sexy bags under her eyes that are purple. Mm. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> but then, <laughs> we, like, are talking about this movie and, like, won't talk about the 2006, which is well, literally... Before we get there, oh, okay. let, me, let me toss out about When a Stranger Calls Oh, yeah. Back. So, this is an interesting movie. This So, When a Stranger Calls came out in 1979. When a Stranger Calls Back came out in 1993. It was okay. released to Showtime. It was a Showtime movie, but it brought back together the director, the uh, cinematographer. I, th- I think it's a cinematographer, I, the composer, and Carol Kane, and the guy that played the police officer. So you have like a sequel to a movie that brings back the core cast, of the surviving cast, and the director and this and the composer for the film. Oh shit! Fourteen years later. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, wow. 14. That, I was gonna, that's like a big, that's a big span of time. Mm-hmm. Cool. And this movie, this movie is also really smart because first okay. of all, it plays on the expectation of what we, of what we remember from the first film. There's a new babysitter um, who is played by Jill Sheolin. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she was kind of... Um, a screen queen of the 80s. Okay. She was in The Stepfather. She was in Cutting Class. She was in the Robert England version of Phantom of the Opera. She did a lot of um, a lot of movies in the 80s that were that were horror. Okay. And she is a babysitter watching over kids. And her phone rings. And there's silence on the other line. And then she hears someone knocking on her front door. And the man on the front door is like, hey, my car broke down. Can I come in and use your phone? 
And she's like, no, um, just give me your number. And so it, it plays on this where instead of the phone call, it's someone that is incessantly knocking on her door and wants to come in. And then she starts walking around the house and things are moved in the house. While she like she goes, she goes back to try to call the number she has this like piece of paper that she wrote as the information down to call like car services. And that piece of paper is gone. And she's like flipping through her books, like not really kind of understanding what's what's happening. And just like in the original, it, this is the first act. But then we follow her as sort of like dealing with the PTSD. And at this point, it's when Carol Kane's Jill Johnson comes in, who, of course, has also survived a situation similar to this and they try to work it out and she ends up calling the uh the same police officer to come back in and help and so it's structured a little bit differently because we still follow her as well as as jill johnson in that second act as opposed to like following the killer and the reveal of what the killer does made me gasp it is the, it, in it this movie kind of kind of freaked me out when I was watching it. I'm not going to lie. Oh, fuck yeah. Did you gay gasp or like scared gasp? I did. <laughs> Listen, you can't see what I just did, but it was, it was, it was, it was definitely a gay gasp. A gay gasp. <laughs> Both hands held up to the mouth. <laughs> okay. I will watch that because it sounds incredible. Um, it was really good. Which one do you like better so. though? Hard. I think, I think, I, I actually do think I like the first act and the third act of the original one better. Okay. I think because that one like really kind of got to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think is like a, a cohesive whole. I do think the the second one is actually better as a cohesive story. Cool. Sweet. And it, man, I'll tell you, there's a moment in there where I I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that shit. Uh, now, then we have the 2006 one. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the fucking 30 minutes of opening of the original stretched into a full length movie. That's it. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Other than the um, house is, the house is cool in that movie. I do remember oh. being like obsessed. I was like, why am I not babysitting for people like that of a fucking courtyard and like humongous? Like it just it's like it does not look like a home. Like that's that was like, the biggest thing I remembered, especially like, the creepy moments where she sees him through the giant windows. Anyway, I want this house and the koi pond, right? That koi pond, exactly. I Who mean, lives for in a house, house porn, like this is the movie to it watch. Is. It yes, just watch it for the house. But- there's nothing else worth <laughs> the scares. I'm sorry. Why are we going to ch- cheap jump scares? I mean, we had a cat. We had like the sounds of the water splash. Like mm-hmm. none of the scares are real. None of them are warranted. Um, it's very much that like era. It's very much is like the embodiment of that era of like early odds remakes that were released in theaters to make a lot of money and get people to the theater. Cause like, this is a movie I saw with like my friends in theaters and like it, we went for like those cheap jump scares and like, we knew it was going to mm-hmm. be great. But we knew we were going to get like lots of good scares in. So I feel like it definitely followed that kind of formula of those movies of like, we don't care if it's a good scare. We want it to just like get a reaction. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, they got a reaction out of me this time. It was an annoyance. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it took a lot of noise. <laughs> Not annoyed. annoyed. A lot of notes. <laughs> annoyed, annoyed. I was annoyed. <laughs> annoyed and notes. That's what it was. Annoyed. That's the word for it. Um, I, I do have a couple, a couple comments. One, this was definitely one of the most two, early two thousands films because Mary Beth, we need to keep this conversation short because I don't want to go over our minutes. We should have been recording this after nine o'clock at night. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember. I do you remember for, the minutes? Oh my god! In yes. so much trouble all the time for going over my minutes and my text limit with my boyfriend. <laughs> I remember having to pay for text and having like you know your your phone bill was like X number of minutes, three minutes after nine, and X number of texts. And now it's like data. <laughs> <laughs> just like do whatever the fuck you want. Also, she had a ra- she had a razor. Was it a pink razor? Was it yeah. a pink razor? I don't remember the color of it, but it was definitely. I was like, "Oh, this is bringing me back." I think it was a pink razor. I had a pink razor, and I thought I was the fucking baddest bitch around. I had a pink razor. Could flip it open. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you could look at the front of it, see who's calling. Flip it open. Do your T nine. Oh my god, if I had to do T9 now, I'd be like... One, 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 one. <laughs> so ridiculous. Nine. We were so good at it, though. We were so... I was I, oh, I know. so fast. I was just like flying over that keypad. <laughs> also, I swear that like Camilla Bell... Well, first of all, I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry to you. You might be a wonderful person, but you have no personality. Second no. of all, she looks like she's the love child of t- Tom Cruise. She looks like oh, someone face mapped Tom Cruise's face onto a woman. It was wow. really kind of distracting, and your door is opening, and it's creeping it's me out. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the eyebrows, but like she oh. looked like Tom Cruise. In she this does film. look like Tom Cruise. Wow, I for. <laughs> Tessa Thompson's in this movie. Tommy Flanagan. I mean, the cast. The cast is pretty. Again, another thing from the like the that era, like a stacked cast in a not so good horror movie. Tessa Thompson, right? Like, but it's just it's so underutilized. Interesting that they took this intelligent, weird horror thriller crime drama and made this like that was what they chose like i understand like that beginning part is what like probably they thought would sell but like you could have call i feel like when a stranger calls as a 1979 movie didn't have as much like pull as like halloween so i feel like you could call it something different and like but i honestly also didn't know it was a remake for a very long time i thought it was just like a 2006 original. I mean, I, I think a lot of people did. I don't think like you, like you just said, I don't, I don't think um, this movie has the kind of clout that a lot of the films that were being remade of that time period had for whatever reason. Um, I, you know, I would like, I actually, I was thinking about, because there was really nothing else to really pay attention to when I was watching this movie. I was actually thinking about how I would love to see a remake. <laughs> Holy shit. That was fucking shady. 
Oh. <laughs> this is mean. He just like dropped that. I was like, damn, Terry. Holy shit. <laughs> Fuck. I was really annoyed with this movie. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was thinking about like how I think you could make a really interesting When a Stranger Calls like remake, where if you actually focused on. If you took the structure of the original and actually had like a really intense opening and then you followed the character having to deal with the PTSD of, of surviving that, like the we never really see a lot of movies that deal with what happens to the final girl right after the moments of yes. something traumatic happening. And I when I was when I was watching the original, because, again, I hadn't remembered any part of that middle section. I was like, ooh. Do we follow her? Are we going to follow and see like her dealing with the PTSD of that? And it kind of comes back at that third act in the original one. But like, that's the kind of thing I thought I thought would be very interesting to to explore. And so when you take that 30 minutes and you blow it up to an hour and a half. I mean, again, there's only it like it feels repetitive. It's like at that point, like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there are some movies that do that very well, where it's like one like the strangers Mm-hmm. Or like hush, this one doesn't do it very well. It's boring. No, the house well, is I, I, you know that's. I think that's the 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 problem with. I, I mean, it's not a problem, but I think that's that is the the problem of dealing with the fact that this isn't someone that is like showing up at your window. This isn't someone that you're supposed to see and be like a physical presence. It's just supposed to be that. What if? Where is this phone call coming from? And so I don't think this movie is able to carry that suspense for 90 minutes of like, where is this dude? Yeah. I, I agree. Watch the original one. You don't need to watch the, the remake. Follow it up with the sequel. Yeah, exactly. Watch those two. When a stranger calls stinky. (laughs) Now there, there were like two little, little small, nice, but nice callbacks to the original. The one, the one where she hears the noise and it's the ice machine. Oh Yeah. That, and then that where has she takes the frozen popsicle. The, that fucking ice machine thing has happened to me so many goddamn times in real life. Fuck ice machines. <laughs> has it really? There's motherfuckers who have no right to be that loud and that scary sounding. <laughs> anyway, the popsicle. Yeah. Was it a popsicle the, the, or a were... lollipop in the, in the original? It was a fudge pop. Did they the ever explain? Because like on, it was that ex- chocolate. Do they explain where that? Ca- I mean, obviously, like we know where it came from, but do they ever like that part? Freak- anyway, just <laughs> creepily having like a fucking popsicle. Like what? <laughs> well, you, you see the ice machine, and it's like there. It's like ooh, snacks, <gasps> right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fucking sure. <laughs> Whatever. Ugh. Oh. Ow. Okay, sorry, my elbow. <laughs> I, like stretched my elbow, and I was like, ugh. Um. <laughs> anyway, so that does it about this. That <laughs> I lost control of the sentence, and now I will start <laughs> over. Uh, that does it for this week's little cuts. Um, but before we wrap up. Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? Ooh, we are talking with writer, director, actor, multi-hyphenate Josh Rubin, um, who has the new movie that is out 
in theaters, well, the day this episode goes live, Werewolves Then, and then it will also be on VOD next week. So we're kind of putting the episode in between um, so that you can either A, go see it in the movie theater if you're able to and vaccinated. Please. Please be vaccinated. And wear your mask. Or you can watch it on VOD the next week. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're talking Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, wow. <sighs> it was fun. What a movie. What a movie. But also, yeah, Werewolves Then, it's really, it's really fun. Y'all, so you're gonna. It's so it's good. So good. Um, probably one of the best horror films of the year so far. Um, um yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I definitely think it's up there, and it's also hilarious. It is hilarious. Um, and smart. So, but who are we? Okay, so my sentence just got away from me too. Yay! <laughs> All right. So who? Oh God! Damn it! <laughs> who? <laughs> who? No, Terry. No, who? Uh, so what are we watching for next little cuts, Mary Beth, as we continue our Ots remakes? So we are going to be watching the Amityville Horror, a.k.a. Abs the Movie, a.k.a. Ryan mm. Reynolds Makes Me Feel Things, mm. when I see photos from that film. <laughs> mm. I've heard that it... I have not seen this one. I've seen the original. I have heard people say that this is better than the original. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I haven't seen this since the movie theater. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm curious to like watch it again. But yeah, I mean, I don't think the original is that great, to be perfectly honest. So. I... Yeah. This is one of those cases where I'm where I think, you know, you take a property that might not have been so great and you remake it and then you make it wonderful. Cool. Hopefully, if I remember correctly. Sweet. I mean, you have to look at Ryan we'll Reynolds. Like, oh, soaking wet, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, just like. So cut, Ryan Reynolds. Anyway. Hmm. (laughs) We had a moment there. We had a moment. (laughs) We're back. Anyway. um, (laughs) Listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. How do you feel about soaking wet, Ryan Reynolds? Um, (laughs) Did you watch? There is a right answer and a wrong answer to that. (laughs) Um, Did you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you watch a film that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies for us to watch? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, uh, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Oh, and Fright Gown is this weekend. So, yeah. um, you know, if you have time buy a pass go to fright gown it's a great queer little horror festival put on by friends of the show joe lipset and Kay from the salem horror fest and if you get the vip i believe it's just the vip if you get the vip you get um a special issue of grim magazine that has both of us in it yay i wrote about dracula and gender fluidity i wrote about queer rock and uh nightbreed so like do it Anyway, yeah. just wanted to plug. And it's all going to support the uh, the Transgender Law Center. Yeah, so. so amazing panels. Get something for you. Great shorts. Get something for you, someone else. Exactly. So highly encourage that to attend that. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
when you pick up some scratches Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways Thanks to scratches from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.